Say, no, it's all the producer's fault. Everything always is. <laughs> Welcome back to Switch Cars, uh, <laughs> where we are in studio hosting Switchcast. Yes, that's right. Uh, Switchcast is filmed in the showroom of Switch Cars, an awesome car dealership in Twinsburg. Uh, a little bit biased in that opinion because I happen to be the owner. You wonder how we got the name Switchcast, too. But anyway, uh, we're glad you're here with us tonight. We're going to have a lot of fun. (laughs) Switchcast is the podcast where we seek to edify, entertain, and exaggerate. Yeah, Uh, we do a lot of exaggeration as well. Educate you on the drive of your life. Tonight we're talking about a couple topics. We are going to have a market update as usual. The market is ever-changing, and we are going to talk about uh, car modifications as well and how they impact value when you should do them, when you shouldn't do them. Well, you you should do them whenever you feel like it, but um, people always want to know uh, how anything they do affects the value. That seems to be the prevailing discussion around cars especially in the past couple years when cars have skyrocketed in value people are concerned about resale and it's a fairly valid concern i think it uh, probably uh, takes up too much energy and space in some people's minds that maybe uh, overshadows their actual enjoyment for the car and i do my best to to help people just enjoy their cars for what they are but you certainly don't want to destroy the value of your car uh, by doing something dumb that that you could easily avoid. But uh, anyway, we're glad you're here with us tonight. Uh, I an interesting car popped up on Bring a Trailer this week. And it's a 2009 Porsche 911 GT2, the final year of production for the 997 GT2, and it was the last. Uh, I think it was the last GT2 ever made because after that, there was only the GT2 RS. They made the 2011 GT2 RS in a manual, and then they waited until 2018 to make a GT2 RS in PDK. But there was no more GT2s, no more manual Metzger GT2s, no more manual GT2s, period. Um I don't think there's there's no manual turbos even after the the 997s at all. Nope. So uh, kind of the, the last of an era and maybe a little bit underappreciated over the years, at least compared to the GT3 RSs. But um, anyway, there's a, a 2009 on there with 17,000 miles in black. And the 2009s do carry a little bit of a premium as they have the, the mid-model tech update, right? So the GT2s were produced in 2008 and 9, and in 2009, the rest of the 997 generation went to like the, the second generation. So they would get PDK and direct injection, but the turbo cars, Porsche hadn't figured out how to mate the... Uh, PDK to a turbo engine yet. I think they were having some development issues with it. So um, they did not change over the turbo cars uh, to the to the new engine. Um, but they did get the tech update, which essentially is, you know, new PCM screen, updated nav, touchscreen, which they definitely needed before you're using like the the scroll wheel. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was mm. like having a Blackberry yeah. in an iPhone world. Um, so for a while, the 2009s carried a, a really big premium, but partly because of that, although now as the PCM is aged, it's proven to be complete garbage. If I try to connect my phone via Bluetooth, It'll take me like five to ten attempts, and it'll drop mid call. Like it's it's absolute garbage, yeah. and you can't uh, you can't stream media, right? So it's only for your phone. You have to use the the, the dongle. Yeah, <laughs> we love dongles here. Um, you have to use that to plug in uh, to to basically run it like an iPod. So it's it's now totally outdated. So why anyone would pay a premium for the two thousand nine tech over the two thousand eight makes no sense but they are rare right so out of the 242 gt2s brought to north america only 27 were made in 2009 now do i care one bit about that no i don't i'll i'll take the discount 
not to have the last year because nobody can tell the difference and nobody knows it's a 2009 unless you tell them or if they like look at your nav screen or whatever. But <laughs> um, and to me, the year is not an interesting statistic or a backstory. Um, it's like something a Corvette guy would print out on a, a sheet yeah. and, and put on display at a car show. You know, mine is one of 27 made for 2009. It's the last year. Okay, it's exactly the same if you parked it next to 2008. Um, but yeah, it's not like a fun story, right? Nobody will know unless you proclaim it to them, and nobody's going around going like, oh, what year is your car? You yeah. Know, like a dead rapper having his funeral in the car is an interesting story, which also nobody would know unless you tell them. That's something I would laminate and put on a thing outside of the car, though. Like, I don't care how rare it is. A dude died in this. Like, that's impressive. Well, he didn't die in it. He he was cre- uh, 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 done up. What do you call oh, it? Oh, formaldehyde. Yeah. And um, I don't think that's it, but I know what you're... Right. Yeah. Preserved, stuffed, whatever, for his funeral. And, and they had an open door funeral. Um but yeah, having one of 27 of the 2009s versus one of 215 of the 2008s, like you're just getting into the weeds. Now, I recognize as the curator of GT Vault, which tracks production and rarity of specific options, I'm like totally conflicting myself here. But um, I, I just do that because other people find value in it. But anyway, it's it's all just numbers. Anyway, so getting out of the weeds now why is this the car to evaluate the market by uh it's for sale currently on bring a trailer by grand prix motors the reason this is a good indicator of the market is they bought it on bring a trailer in march of 2022 and it's exactly the same car as when they bought it i think they added 10 miles in a year which is sad, but I get it when you're a dealer with a whole bunch of cars, it is hard to drive them. Uh, so they bought it for 366 grand a little bit over a year ago. Ooh, spicy. Which to me seems like all the money in the world for a black GT2. 87 out of the 242 were black. So that's a significant number. I think the next least rare color is like 53. Um, I don't want to get us like two in the weeds. Yeah. Uh, I really like that this has the normal like comfort seats. Did a lot of them have that? Or was this the start of the era where everybody was specking the like buckets? You know, that's a good question. I need to pull up that statistic. I can tell you exactly (laughs) how many. Um, No, a a lot of the GT2s did have buckets. Um, You know, I I don't think it was a majority though. Um, they, like, I don't, they were fairly rare on the GT3s, but the GT2 was supposed to be more of a like comfortable car, right? It's yeah. less raw. It's 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 a rear wheel drive, stiffer, higher horsepower version of the turbo, and the turbo is a daily driver. So in theory, a lot of guys would have spec'd the regular sport seats, not the carbon uh, bucket fixed seats. Yeah. Um, but certainly the ones with the carbon seats go for more money. So it's it's sold for 366k, which to me that seems like a lot of money, especially for a dealer to buy on speculation. But this will be a really good market update for those of you that are watching and paying attention to see where the year over year numbers are on the literally exact same car for a year ago. Now the real question, one of the real questions without alleging shadiness here but knowing that it happens is did they actually pay 366 grand um i'm not saying this occurred in this case but we know that pre-arranged deals can happen on any auction platform not just bring a trailer um whereby people will agree to bid up a car and they'll have agreed on a number beforehand and they'll just bid it to the moon because everybody involved benefits from a very high public transaction price. And what's more interesting about this particular one is that the only other bidder for the last $100,000 besides Grand Prix Motors who won it was Snavid, who if you follow Porsches at all on Bring a Trailer, you'll know that he gained online celebrity status by 
buying up like a ton of the Metzger powered manual GT cars and some manual Ferraris. I mean, speculator uh, extraordinaire. He was overpaying for a lot, a lot of cars. Um, Now overpaying in like 2020 was then seen as forward thinking because basically in hindsight, everybody just said, Oh, you knew something that none of us knew because cars went up in value like crazy. But, Overpaying in 2021 and 2022 doesn't seem so smart because that was the peak. Uh, Snavid actually stopped buying cars on Bring a Trailer on March 10th of last year, which is when this auction ended. So that was like, it wasn't the last car he bid on, but it was close, which to me, maybe he knows something I don't. But to me, that seems kind of odd timing that you buy and buy and buy at the peak of the market and then just stop buying. Um, and certainly both Grand Prix Motors and Snavid would benefit by a high transaction price publicly. Now, again, in this scenario, I don't think there was anything sketchy because the seller was a private seller. You look on his account, everything seems to be legit. It's just odd. It's just very odd that those two were, were the last two bidders. Um, and, and, you know, maybe it's just proof that, you know, nobody knows the future including people that do this all the time, including a dealer like Grand Prix that sells hundreds of Porsches every year. Uh, maybe they were betting on the market continuing to go up. Maybe everybody was. And we all knew it couldn't happen forever, but some people were financially invested in it continuing to go and to go. It's it's very hard to to catch the peak just as it is to, to guess the bottom. So uh, we're going to see... Where this goes, uh, for comparison's sake, a similar 2008 could be bought for between you know, 275 and 300 right now. And there's a couple out there, and there's one that recently sold in that range as well. So I think we'll see what the premium is right now for 2009 and what the market is compared to last year. So I think this will be a really, really good indicator of, of like data points. Uh, with that, Tyler, let's go to a commercial. Switchcast is brought to you by Boxcast, who is a live streaming company in, based in Cleveland, Ohio, and they serve broadcasters and viewers around the world. Their founders launched Boxcast back in 2013 with one purpose, and that is to make people part of the experience. If you are looking to live stream your podcast, church service, car show, sporting event, wedding, or even your cannonball attempt, Boxcast is an easy and flexible live streaming platform for organizations. Boxcast is so easy that we're broadcasting this show with a phone. So head on over to switchcars.com forward slash Boxcast for your free trial. Alrighty. Well, you're still here, which is not what I expected. Uh, for those right. listening, this is normally when the cor- uh, Doug takes a break to go do something. I don't really know. Doug dons a hat. <laughs> and uh, the Corvette curmudgeon comes in, but you're wearing a hat, but it's a different one. Right. I'm actually uh, wearing the prototype VinWiki hat, ooh. which is really, really cool. I'm not much for hats, but I was mowing before I came here, so I had a hat on and I didn't particularly want to have hat hair on the podcast. Not that I am much to look at. Anyway, I've been told I have a great face for radio, but you know, I, I figured I'd, I'd cover up the mess and at the same time display this VinWiki hat, which you cannot order yet, but you should once it's out, it's got like so it looks pretty legit nice. stitching. Yeah. It's, it's good. It's good. Uh, my wife told me once that I look good with a hat on and I'm like, is that Ooh, is, yeah. Is that like... <laughs> she, I know her. She probably meant it as a compliment, but like you sit there, you're wondering to yourself forever. It's, like, what does that mean? Usually guys do those types of compliments to to women, like the <laughs> underhanded yeah. slam. But uh, you look great with those five sweaters on. You. <laughs> <Like, laughs> uh, anyway, uh, no, the, the Corvette curmudgeon is uh is depressed this week because he found and he would not come on the show because he found the greatest car ever for his curmudgeonliness and he was too cheap uh to pay what it took to buy it it was a 1993 so a c4 1993 corvette anniversary however 
it was no longer the the ruby red or whatever that color was for the anniversaries. It had been custom painted by a nephew of the original owner in purple and green snakeskin. And there was like a, a, a peeling back of the snakeskin like halfway down the car where it went from the purple to the green. And when you flipped the lights up, the insides of the lights were green. It was metallic. It was... It was Blessed. a sight to, yeah, it that, was, that's even better. It was all things holy. It was so, so good. And the guy originally wanted like 18 grand for a custom painted Corvette, which you have no idea the quality when you get there. It could be terrible, you oh, know? Oh, yeah. Uh, and uh, the guy's nephew might have been the Matthew, you know? <laughs> um <laughs> reaching there Ugh. um anyway so i offered him 11 cash you know cash in hand ready to go and uh he wouldn't take it but he came back as i knew he would and said 12 grand buys it and i was like i'm gonna call your bluff 11 grand i'll come get it and i guess some guy like locally had offered him 12 so he was just giving me a chance to Oh, to meet the no. offer. And as soon as he, it marked it sold, I was like, just kidding, I'll pay 12. Because <laughs> I'm like, I, I oh. need this car. And the crazy thing was, nobody had sent this to me. One person sent it to me, my friend Kent, and he only found it because he was out in Arkansas buying another car. I would have expected all the Corvette people, like I get sent so much Corvette curmudgeon stuff. Nobody had seen this car. I was, I was bummed. I had it looked wild. It was wild. I had not gotten wife permission in the least. I don't think you could. But I told her it was better than Seascape. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I'm like, listen, I'm going to car show tour this thing all summer with my everything, Corvette lawn chair, the whole get up. And she'd be no, like, I'll be happy to stay home. Like, I'm, I'm not going to find a better a better one than that short of like a pace car, but everybody has pace cars. Nobody has a custom snakeskin C4. So yes, the Corvette curmudgeon is, is at home, uh, watching motor trend TV. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Ethan, something's on your mind. No, we just got some questions from TikTok. here. All right, let's, we'll go to a couple ticky talks. Did Uh, you tell them about tip talk? I've not told them about TikTok yet. Right. We have a bonus round because uh, we can't get to everybody's questions. But after the live show ends at nine, we go to Tip Talk, which is just, well, it's also for YouTubers, but the people watching live can send their tips or stars or whatever the, the currency is on, on TikTok and YouTube and uh, get their questions answered by the. Uh, self-proclaimed experts here on this show, but let's let's get to a couple early on here for for free, for free. Uh, Fetty Wap Kitty, <laughs> cool. Running the same car in the backyard four hundred this year. Uh, yes, yes. Running the Oldsmobile Aerotech Yard Cart in the backyard four hundred in October at Travis Bell's walking path in his uh, rear lawn. Yeah, I'm excited about that. Speaking of Backyard 400 and Travis Bell, I was privileged to go to the Indy 500 qualifying weekend thanks to an invitation from Travis Bell. And we went not to the backyard, but to the brickyard and watched IndyCars run around the circle and had breakfast. And um, it was a lot of fun. One of the coolest Uh, moments for me was when we toured the museum where they have a whole host of vintage indie cars is I ran into a car that gave me some serious nostalgic vibes. It was the 1961 Dean Van Lines Indy car that Eddie Sachs drove. Now it was not an Indy winning car, but I had a special connection to this car. So in high school, I believe it was my junior year. So it would have been 21 years ago. I worked for a pretty serious collection up in Maine. Not pretty serious. It was world-renowned, the the Bob Bear collection. And uh, I got to do some really, really cool stuff. And one of those was to go out to Carburation Days at 
Indianapolis 500. So as a junior in high school, I got the full VIP experience. We took this 61 Dean Van Lines car out there. I had polished the magnesium wheels, which was atrociously painful. It was just, uh, it was, it was, it was awful. Uh, yeah, I'm glad I've never owned a car with magnesium <laughs> wheels. Um, but as as the low man on the totem pole, that's the stuff I did in order to to get to go to the fun events as well. But anyway, so we took the car out there, and Johnny Rutherford, who is a three time IndyCar winner, was driving this car around the track. Mario Andretti was driving his Ferrari IndyCar. There was a ton of Indy winners there. It was it was amazing. Something you cannot uh, cannot replicate, and. Um, they had a, you know, they don't have a fuel pump to prime the fuel, just like they don't have a starter. Everything's to save weight. So they wheel up the starter and plug it in. And for the fuel, you have to blow into a hose to create fuel pressure in order to start the car. And I was the fuel pump. So Johnny Rutherford, three-time Indy winner, is sitting in the seat of this old Indy car. And I'm next to him blowing into this hose and... They warned me not to suck <laughs> at blowing because I would get a mouthful of fuel. So I had to create fuel pressure for this indie car to start. And it was like, it was just the coolest thing ever to then see these cars run around Indy. Um, but that car was there. So I got to see it again. It had sold out of the Bear Collection, and the new owner had uh, loaned it to the museum. So that was a really, really neat nostalgic experience because I hadn't been to Indy in 21 years since I went with that car. And the funny thing, too, was um, I went to this small Christian school, and the um, yes, welcome to Story Hour with Doug Tabbitt. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we need some candles. Uh, yeah, you got a glass uh, of whiskey over there. <laughs> uh, I'm just I'm just practicing for for the inevitable Vin Wiki story, right? Trimming <laughs> trimming it down. Um, no, but um, the the graduating class that year, the seniors, there was two girls, and I was like marginally friends with them, but we didn't hang out or anything. And one of them called me the one I liked less and she was all ticked off because she's like you're gonna miss my graduation to go to a car show I was like yep also it's not a car show and also I don't care about your graduation anyway but yes I am and like I didn't even go to my own graduation the next year so that shows you how highly I thought of anything but I'm like why would I why would I go to your graduation? Like, we're never going to talk again. You're going to write something pithy in my yearbook. And <laughs> like, that's it. Uh, anyway. turned into depressing existentialist Doug. Yeah. I like it. All right. Well, no, <laughs> I don't didn't care if I ever talked to her again. Like, we weren't friends. So like we're on student council together or something like that. But that's a bond um, that can never be broken. It's true. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, yeah, I actually, my 20th high school reunion is this year and I looked up the like Facebook page and somebody's just like, so is this happening or what? Guess that means no. <laughs> Seen by four people, two comments. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> like, nope. <laughs> I should just be like, yep, y'all can come to my house in Ohio. See yeah. who shows up. There's going to be like one person from Maine. <laughs> Oh, gosh. Anyway, so that was great. That long answer to, am I doing the Backyard 400? <laughs> um, okay, so <laughs> y'all asked about car mods and whether they increased value, right? That was supposedly the main topic of tonight. Um, and, and it was inspired by me posting a video about singers and how they are a $750,000 build on top of a Porsche 964. And it, uh, it inflamed a lot of people on social media, mostly for the financial aspect. They were mad at singer for like 
driving up the market on cars or making them unaffordable or unattainable or just saying it was stupid that those cars cost a million dollars. And and a lot of them were just like, oh, it's only 400 horsepower. I can I can build 800 horsepower for 20 grand. And I'm like, yeah, we're not talking about like your LS swapped Miata. Like these are bespoke builds with carbon fiber fenders and hand stitched everything and nickel finished trim and 4,000 man hours going into these designs, taking the best of old and new in Porsche and creating something that is just a work of art that you can stare out for two hours and continually find new things to appreciate about it. Um, but the people on the social media were not were not all about it, and uh, we got some some interesting comments. Uh, one of them was a very expensive, well made custom that is killing the spirit of the nine eleven. If you have money and you want a manufactured special nine eleven, buy a roof which gets a fresh chassis. Yes, he spelled it that way. <laughs> chassis chassis number and new title. Okay. It gets a lot more than a new VIN number, a new title, but yeah, it actually gets less than a singer. He wasn't too far off because they basically take 911s and the, the older roofs anyway, and they would like massage them, but then they give them a new VIN number. Like a singer is far more of a manufactured car than it's. A I would roof be curious to see how much of a 964 is actually left. Like, there can't be much other than the VIN plate, <laughs> probably. The doors, I think. The chassis itself. Uh, maybe the crankcase. Like, okay. it's not a lot. It's a far cry from the, like, base C2s Some with glass. D90s. <laughs> like, you right. know, it's yeah. a very different car. Well, and that was people's thing. Is it's just like, so what? I can build one. I can build one. <laughs> Built, not bought, bro. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, one comment. Moronic molestation of classic 911s for morons who don't understand these cars. I think, yeah, you're the one that doesn't understand them. Many collectors make appropriate improvements like suspension, wheels, engine tweaks, and exhaust, but this crap is a joke. What this guy doesn't realize is the singer is making appropriate improvements like suspension, wheels, <laughs> engine tweaks, exhaust, oh. interior. Like they're literally improving on every single aspect of the car. Uh, yeah. Um, well, like, of, I used to be a part of the crowd that thought that like singer was ruining 964 prices and uh, RWB was ruining 993 prices. But I think they're just like along with the trend. It's not. Listen, it's unpopular anyway. opinion here. I think RWB is ruining 993s. Well, just not full the prices. Stop. Yeah. <laughs> I, I get it. People like the wide body, whatever. It's their money, their car. But uh, some people compared RWB to Singer, and I'm just like, no. Yeah. no I don't no. think there's a Sawzall inside of Singer. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is not. No. But there's, there's actually a couple. Uh, there's a good comment and a couple questions, I think, get to the heart of this. Robert Fanovic said, 700 grand buys an unmolested collectible 911, which is true. Uh, like a 27RS would be a great example of that, right in that price range. Singer cars are great, but do they hold their value? And uh, Jake D on another video we did regarding the stick converted 360 spiders asked, does this hurt or help the value? I would assume help, but I know how Ferrari people are about modifications. Very true. Both Ferrari and Porsche people are all about originality. So what happens when you put 700 grand into a 964? Well, the market has spoken and you definitely get that money back. Um, Singers typically sell for 900 to 1 million ish on the secondary market. Some have sold for more, which is more than it costs to build them. And part of that is the fact that they rarely, if ever, come up for sale. The guys that commission these, you know, they they love them. They keep them. Um, and if you want to commission one, you're looking at at least a two year wait probably longer now because they're doing the turbo and the DLS and they've just, they've got a lot going on. Um, so if you want one now, you pay a premium. Uh, 
So there's very real supply and demand. They can only crank out maybe 20 cars a year. So, you know, in terms of them ruining the 964 values or driving them up, right? They made almost 60,000 964s total, and they've made a couple hundred cars total. So, yeah, they're not it's it's not their fault that that you know, inflation is happening. But uh overall modifications don't help value, right? You you maybe get 10 cents on the dollar back if you do the right modifications, but modifications are a matter of taste and you're expecting the next guy to have the exact same taste as you. And it just, it never happens. Like you don't even get money back for putting PPF on a car. And that's like a good thing to protect a car. Heck, I don't even get money back for servicing cars, right? Like people would rather buy a car that needs 10 grand in service and save two grand than pay five grand more for a car that's had all its service done. Like buyers are just, they don't do the math. Um, But the mod thing, there have been certain companies um, that have created a brand enough that people value their product and they've become their own product. So they're not really seen as modifying cars anymore. Like the Lee Keen Safari 911s. That's not, nearly as involved a build as uh, a, a singer. You know, pretty much anybody can do a Safari 911. There's a lot of companies that do it, but he's built that brand such that those cars sell for more than it costs to do one. Um, and along the lines of like the stick swap 360 Spider, that's now something where you're taking a weak point in a car and fixing it or improving it. So that's the other time when you can get, I don't really consider it mods, right? So people are looking at the F1 transmissions going, these are, these are garbage and the sticks are rare enough. And especially if you use all factory parts, you're building like a nearly factory car and Aston Martin Vanquish would be a great example of that. That was a terrible transmission. They didn't make any stick shifts, but it was a great car. Otherwise a fairly reliable, great sounding V12 that I think was two Duratec V6s mated together. I wouldn't be surprised. Correct me if I'm wrong on that. Aston Martin in the early 2000s. Right, yeah. Owned by Ford, lots of Volvo parts. Uh, But it it was a great car other than that transmission. Well, you could send it back to Aston Martin Works and stick swap it. Now, I think they will fly techs to uh, an authorized service center here and do it. But those conversions are, people are getting their money back and then some. So it's... Mods in general, no. You go to AutoZone and stick some stuff on your car, put a K&N air, air filter, nobody gives a rip. Same thing with this Corvette that I didn't buy, right? Like, <laughs> custom painted, I was basically hitting him at the exact value that you buy a bone stock one. Yeah. And I you, thought that was overpaying because I'm like, nobody else is going to want this. <laughs> that will haunt you as much as it would have haunted your garage because you'd never be able to sell it. Like, either way, you were screwed. Yeah, I would put a for sale sign on that thing at every cruise in, though, and ask like 30 grand and some real Corvette curmudgeon would have paid it. I would have marked my words. I would have doubled my money on that car. It would have spoken to someone. Yes. If it spoke to you this much, it would have spoken to someone. But it spoke to me in an ironic way. Well, I'd say that I did actually like the paint. I did. I really liked the paint. (laughs) I love purple. What can I say? Oh, let's go to a commercial. (laughs) All right. And SwitchCast is brought to you by Celebrity Machines. Celebrity Machines offers more than 250 different screen accurate license plates as they've appeared in movies and TV shows, such as Back to the Future, Ghostbusters, The Fast and the Furious, Breaking Bad, and so many more. Celebrity Machines also makes our dealer insert plates as well as our commemorative 2539 plates from the fastest cannonball run ever. Head on over to CelebrityMachines.com for more info and use promo code SWITCHCAST to save 25.39% at checkout. That's right, just a sampling of the plates here for you guys watching live. 
They have all sorts of them. Yeah. I do yes. have a, a relevant question. Okay. From the YouTubes. Uh, Devin Ruckus uh, asks, what do you think is the best car rebuilt by an aftermarket manufacturer, such as Singer, Lingenfelter, Roof, and so on? Hmm. For my money, I would probably buy the new anniversary CTR roof. Oh, I don't yeah. know that that's the best. There's a lot of options. The Hennessy Venom F5 is pretty sweet. That's not really a car rebuilt by them. That's their own car. <laughs> um, I mean, same thing for the roof. It looks like a 911, but it is not. It's their own carbon monocoque chassis. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd probably take the roof. Yeah. Have we seen any of those around? I know we've seen them at Amelia two years in a row now, but I haven't, I haven't seen, seen many one photos. like cruising the street, but yeah. yeah. Twinsburg. <laughs> but. Okay. So, uh, celebrity machines brings you the wall of shame. The wall of shame is people who comment or inquire or otherwise potential customers, usually not actual customers, uh, takes talent to, to do a transaction and end up on the wall of shame. But, um, that we get to give feedback on because everybody gives, gets to give us feedback as dealers. Uh, but uh, rarely do we get to return the favor except on private forums. So I had put an M3 up on Instagram this week. And I thought it was a pretty good deal. But whatever, people can people can make offers or have other opinions. But I listed it for twenty eight grand, And a guy chimes in because we all needed to know that uh, you could get them on bring a trailer for less than 22 to 25. I was like, okay, um, whatever. Thanks. We chose not to run it on bring a trailer. Sometimes that's not the best outlet for a specific car. Like that doesn't define the market. We regularly sold cars elsewhere for more than bring a trailer, depending on how a specific niche of car does on bring a trailer. Uh, he follows it up with, I was simply commenting because people who may be interested in this specific car would get a better deal elsewhere. On that specific car, would they? <laughs> so literally, he's commenting on my post, not like a random forum post, like my post, my business page, advertising my car and admitting that it's like, I was saying this comment so people who might be interested in your car on your page would go elsewhere. <laughs> And I'm like, thanks. Uh, I don't think you realize <laughs> the egg on your face here. Like, like really? Ugh. Really? Uh, somebody less petty than me would just delete comments like that. But I leave them up for everybody. And <sighs> anyway, ah, uh, yes. With that, let's move on to question of the week. Question of the week is brought to you by Nuts for Sticks, which is a brand celebrating the manual transmission in all of its forms. So let's forget the flappy paddles because we like shifting ourselves. Check out our fun and funny stick-themed shirts at nutsforsticks.com and save 10% on your order using discount code SWITCHCAST. That is nutsforsticks.com and use code SWITCHCAST. Got some pretty high-quality stickers. I daily my 911, and it's still... No issues, no peeling, no nothing. That sticker yes. on there. It's in the rain and the heat and whatever. Those those stickers are made by another sponsor of ours, which is Parallel Print Works. So if you're looking to have stickers made or decals or big posters or anything you could dream of, check out Parallel Print Works, parallelprintworks.com, all the social medias, Parallel Print Works. They are great. And if you want a nuts for stick er uh <laughs> Nuts for Stixer. So you have to think about that every right. time. <laughs> Go to nutsforsticks.com and you can order yours. Okay. So we Fire do have away a, the question of the week and then we'll get to some some live viewer questions as well. We do have a great question of the week. I really like this. Uh, would you like to see another MR2 brought back? And if so, to compete with what? Mm, I do like that question as well. That was asked last week and it was it was one of the, the best leftover questions. So I had to had to throw this in the mix. Uh, I really like what the Toyota MR2 was, uh, mid-engine, four-cylinder, economic, fun, sport-e car, not a sports car. It wasn't 
really a performance car, but it was essentially like the bargain sporty car before all the Germans figured out that they needed one to save their companies, right? So it came out in the 80s and in the mid-90s, Audi, Mercedes, and Porsche, and BMW all came out with you know mid-range sporty convertibles to, and made them in large production numbers to, to save their companies. Now, almost all those are still being made other than the Mercedes SLK. Um, and side note, the BMW Z4 is, I think, like the shining star in the midst of really ugly giant grill bmws like that car still looks really really it, good it, the grills are bigger but they're not too big for the car right. but they're like horizontal they're they're yeah. larger horizontal than they are vertical which is like the only car they make that does that but um yeah so like they all hit it out of the park but most of them ended up not being that reliable especially long term and the mr2 was famous toyota quality um, but I, I think was the last one front wheel drive or am I off my oh, rocker? That sounds familiar. It was kind of ugly. Like the, the second gen one was the best, but anyway, I think they should bring it back. Uh, and I think it should be essentially a bargain competitor to the BMW Z4 and the Boxster. Um, you know, obviously you have the Mazda Miata slash Fiat, 124 sport spider on the lower end of things around the 30k range and then the z4 and the boxster up there in the you know 50 60k plus range so if they could come up with something again it would be great if it was mid-engine again and do like a baby boxster and put it like 35 40k i think they do really really well with it so i wouldn't buy one but i think they should bring it back Another follow-up from last week, a uh, couple of them, is uh, Nick Kruger had asked about the Cadillac XLR, and our boy Dan Doucette, who knows everything, filled us in that an interesting fact about the Cadillac XLR is that the taillights cost about $4,000 a piece. So if you get rear-ended, it essentially totals a car because it is possible to buy an XLR for less than 10 grand. You got to try a little bit, but it's possible. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it's almost like that's what the, it's the equivalent of what the, the convertible top is for the Murano Cross Cabriolet. They're, they're so expensive that if they break, <laughs> the car's totaled. I think that's something Ethan needs to experience firsthand. I got to <laughs> be the honest. Top getting stuck. <laughs> no, 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 just the, the glory of owning a cross cab. Oh, I saw yeah. one uh, that was totaled online the other day, and I thought no. about you. Man. Was it total because the top broke? No, it was actually hit by something. Oh, okay. But it, I will say that it is cool that the Cadillac XLR was made at the Bowling Green, Kentucky, not Ohio, uh, assembly plant. So it was made next to the Corvette. So, you know. The, the guys. Museum delivery. Right, right. My Corvette is best Corvette because it's made next to the Corvettes <laughs> and it has a North Star <laughs> engine. <laughs> yes. Uh, speaking of Corvettes, uh, we are beating a dead horse with the, the Joe Biden Corvette thing. It, it continues to be a hot topic on, on the social medias. The funniest comment, though, of all of them was... Uh, Biden can't even spell a Corvette, <laughs> which I think is, is probably true. But also, if you ask George W. Bush how rare a Corvette was, he'd answer that they made a Brazilian of them. <laughs> That's good. And, and if, like if Trump owned a Corvette, his would be his would be the best Corvette. His Corvette would be great. I mean, really, really great. My Corvette is probably the greatest Corvette. Oh, I like the, the lip action. There. It was like was, you were half in good. on a Trump impression, yeah. but didn't fully commit to it. <laughs> I can only do like 25% main, 25% angry, and then just, I don't know what else. <laughs> it all mixes together. Main and angry. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever accent you throw in on top of that. Anyway, this is greatest. Abs just the greatest Corvette. <laughs> tremendous. You got tremendous. Tremendous. Yeah. Tremendous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this Corvette is tremendous. 
but it would be the best Corvette. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. And and one more follow up from last week as well. Uh, we we were uh, talking about EVs quite a bit, and uh, one of my concerns with EVs is the batteries and the fact that they're just they're dangerous. It's a giant friggin' lithium battery that if it catches on fire is will burn forever. People keep saying, "Oh well, you know, it's, gas is combustible too," but it's like, yeah, but it burns quickly and then it's done. And yes, it can be explosive, but we've been dealing with this for a long time and they've contained it quite well like you can get you know your car destroyed and like it doesn't catch on fire uh but anyway uh overseas shipping rules this information courtesy of wesco shipping electric vehicles must now be classified as hazardous cargo Ocean carriers are requiring that electric cars and motorcycles are classified as hazardous class nine cargo. The classification comes at an additional cost of 250 per vehicle in a shared container or 500 per full container. So I don't know if you guys remember Felicity Ace, the ship that went down with all those Audis and Lamborghinis and Porsches. But one of the reasons it was such big news is there were so many EVs on it that just burned and burned and burned and burned so uh there are certain vehicles also which ocean carriers do not accept on board their vessels these are the vehicles which have been recalled by the manufacturer due to increased risks of fire the new hyundai santa cruz hyundai santa fe santa fe hybrid and the kia carnival oh Said, we are not accepting these vehicles for shipping. We suggest you do not purchase them for export. It has nothing to do with them being stolen with USB well, cables, though, right? I was just right? going to say, right? Like, Hyundai and Kia cannot catch a wow. break. You can't insure them because everybody's stealing them, and now you can't ship them or park them or whatever <laughs> because they're a fire hazard. Oh, Imagine if South Korea made an EV. It would be the perfect storm of just oh. flammable... <laughs> They probably do. Somebody's going to correct me on that. I just I don't pay enough attention to microwave automotive appliances to actually know or care what comes out of South Korea in an automotive. Uh, uh, yeah. Um, one comment I need your help on, though. Oh, um, Barnacle Berry after uh, in relation to the EV thing said Doug is a Chad and 100 percent right about everything which is not even close to true. Seething EV incels should dial eight and KYs. Uh, that was a trip. I don't know. But I, what is a Chad? I'm too old to understand. Is he insulting me or commenting? No. <laughs> saying, calling somebody a Chad is like a real big compliment. Okay. If you ever see a, like an image on the internet of a black and white like hyper-muscular dude, that's like smiling. He's got a big like beard. Like he's supposed to be like a good guy, and that's mm -hmm. like you're a Chad. Okay. Like you're just like a good, wholesome, strong dude. Okay, I was not. This was not me like setting up self-aggrandizement. Yeah. I literally I read that and I'm like, I don't know if he's insulting me and being super sarcastic <laughs> or whatever. A I, like no, I'm a, just too a, old to know a good what a Chad right is. There. That's a good compliment. Yeah. Oh wow. Cool. Thanks, Barnacleberry. Sucks for the do you folks he called incels. Do you but. watch SpongeBob? <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's catch up on some of the questions. Yes, I got a good one here from Elon Musk is suspicious. Forty three oh, back in the back. YouTube. Our Happy friend. to have you here. Doug, what are your thoughts on the Dundon D4 package for the 997 GT3 and RS? Adds like 80 uh, horsepower and torques, but costs almost $24,000. Could you get your money back on something like this when you sell? I love Dundon. Uh, Jamie and, shoot, Jeff, not Jeff, the other guy, are fantastic guys. Great team. Really good product. Really, really great. Tremendous <laughs> product. <Most> tremendous product. <laughs> uh, um, no, you are never getting your money back on bolt-ons like that. Um, if you do like 
So Sharkworks has built enough of a brand that you'll get your money back on like an engine build, like a Sharkworks 3.9 or 4.1. But, you know, even if you put a Sharkworks exhaust on, you're not getting an extra thousand bucks just because you put it on there. People just want it thrown in. So you'll probably get more money because uh, Dundon is a very well-respected brand and people will want it. But it's like you can't ask 20 grand more for your GT3 just because it has a Dundon. Because yeah. you're expecting somebody else to pay for the choice that you made, and the market just doesn't support that. Um, weirdly enough, they'll spend twenty grand less and then go buy one from Dundon, or they'll buy one for the same price at stock, or you know whatever. Yeah. It, it doesn't make any sense. But no, you will not. Uh, you will not recover your dollars on that. What I th- find interesting. And I don't intend to come into every show and like make a nine nine six comment, but these things just happen. They're on my mind. But the uh, a lot of the high end engine rebuilds for those are very expensive. Twenty five, thirty grand. They don't really seem to. They're worth more, but it's like maybe five to ten grand more than just a really nice stock one. Sure. Like you got to do that if you love the car, but it doesn't seem to really mean much. I think it may long term. I think it depends how how problematic the bore scoring becomes long term. That's true. And if it fleshes out such that like they all need to be done, which people say they do, but I'm like these cars are 20 years old now, and some of them have a couple hundred thousand miles. If they all needed to be done, I feel like they'd all just be dying left and right. Yeah. So you know, but if that becomes a thing where everybody has to rebuild their engine then i think you'll probably see more of a premium for the 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 done ones but i don't think i've seen a four liter one come up for sale that would be sweet Mm, yeah well there's about to be the greatest 996 ever possibly coming up at the porsche 75th anniversary sale in atlanta which i'm planning to go down for it is their sport classic Club coupe, the classic like club, coupe. classic club coupe, right? Because it's it's an homage to the sport classic, a forward homage to the sport yes. classic <laughs> that was made afterwards. But kind of like, well, what if they made a nine nine six sport classic, and it has the GT three engine in it, not a four liter, but you know, close, still, still good, a Metzger, <laughs> and it's uh, yeah, it's the only one. So it's probably going to go for crazy money. I'm going to go down bid because I want it for a daily driver, but I can't afford to bid against all the the Porsche oh, yeah. people who are going to want to park it in their collection and brag about it. But Someone's uh, going to put it in a closet, but it would right. be awesome to drive. Right. If anyone wants to start a GoFundMe to see me drive the <laughs> snot out of that thing, uh, I will do it. But uh, yeah, I don't see that happening. Um, broken schnoz or schnauz, still not entirely sure how to pronounce that. <laughs> I think that's schnoz, like your nose. Schnoz? Yes. Like a schnoz. Yeah. Schnoz. Like you yeah. got punched. But it's spelled with an A-U-Z-E, like a schnauzer. I think that's how you'd... Is that how you spell schnoz? I thought it was O-Z. I think it, it it's more of a Oh my goodness. <laughs> Either way. Either way. You can spell read two different ways. We have no idea how to spell schnoz. <laughs> Their schnozberries taste like schnozberries. Um, you boys like Mexico? <laughs> Ask the question. <laughs> if Fred Ashmore and Richard Rawlings... Next question. Oh, okay. Richard Rawlings. All right, keep going. If Fred Ashmore and Richard Rawlings got into a fist fight, who would claim they won? Uh, Fred Ashmore would win. I feel like Richard Rawlings gets, you know, like manicures and stuff. Yeah. Fred Ashmore is a real brawler. I would not want to meet him in a dark alley, mm. quote, stolen from John Sabo. <laughs> Uh, the first time oh. my wife met Fred's now wife, we were all hanging out. We went out for drinks and Fred's wife, April said that Aaron like asked how they met. And she said, Fred was like hauling some guy out of a truck and beating his face in. I'm like, Oh, that's a good start to a relationship and speaks highly of his character. <laughs> goodness it's got to start somewhere right so um nick goes fast actually asks uh on topic question here what's your opinion on built-in radar detectors slash laser jammers add any value for resale nope 
No, they don't. Uh, we take them out when we can because I'd rather put them in my car and nobody cares. And and that's even more of a personal taste thing because a lot of guys hate radar detectors because they don't understand them. They're just like, well, it's always beeping. For that matter, I hate K40s because they are legit just always beeping. And you have no idea what any of the beeps mean or how to turn it off because there's just knob hidden somewhere underneath and there's no display. <laughs> mm-hmm. But anyway, uh, no, they do not add one iota of value on resale. Sorry. Got uh, one here from YouTube. Jeremiah Johnson asks, is the C5 50th anniversary worth more than the sum of its parts and colors? I love the look, but I don't know if it would be a good first Corvette. Uh, well, you can't get that color in any other, uh, in a non-anniversary car and you would have to buy the magnesium wheel separately. And I don't think you can get the shale interior. I think that's what it's called, shale or slate. I think a shale in a non-anniversary car. You can get other burgundies. You could buy a magnetic red or a light carmine red, and then you could go buy the magnesium wheels and, I guess, put some 50th anniversary patches <laughs> on it. Uh, so you could get close, but I think unless you have to have that color combo then I don't see a reason to buy an anniversary car. Do they have a like a substantial premium? Yeah, I think they do. Yeah, for sure. Especially the low mileage ones. Yeah. But it, you could probably find an 80,000 mile anniversary. Well, maybe they all got parked because everybody who bought one yes. thought it would be a future collectible. Um In fact, Corvette even made a collector's edition Corvette. Like if that isn't, you know... Just blatant marketing to the people who like to shove stuff in their garage for their retirement. Um, You could if you could find a high mileage one, it probably wouldn't have much of a premium because no collector would be buying it for collectible purposes. So it would be valued just the same as any other one because you eliminate the collector buyers. Need to find an eighty thousand mile ninety eight pace car. That nobody wants because it's hideous and high I don't think anyone is secure <laughs> enough to drive that 80,000 miles. I would do it. <laughs> For those of you that don't know, that was probably the oddest color combo ever made. It was purple with yellow interior and yellow wheels and oh. giant flags and stuff down the side. It is mm. a sight to behold. It is. It's cool. It's very 90s. It's very 90s. Um, <laughs> all right. One more question before the bonus round, then we're going to props and flops. Yeah. Um, Huston asks, what was a car you thought you would hate, but actually loved? Golly. Um, that is a tough question. This would make a great TikTok highlight. Right. Um, (laughs) One of them, I think, was the Corvette C8. I didn't think I would hate it, but I had low expectations because they made it all automatic. They went away from the traditional pushrod LS V8, and I just figured it would go the way of every other modern car and be really synthetic. And I drove it, and it made good sounds, and it had good feel, and I was in touch with the road, and it just rotated nicely and predictably, and it was a lot of fun to drive, and it surprised me. And I really, really loved it. I don't like the styling, the exterior styling, but if I did, I would be tempted to own one. I I think they, Hmm. yeah, they drive really, really well. Can I squeeze in another one that just got asked that's just asking for the inverse of that? What's a car you thought you would love but actually hated? Um, you know, that's also a good question. I think there's a lot more of those. <laughs> uh, what is a car I thought I would love but hated? I have to think about that. We're going to cover that on the tip talk which is immediately following the live show uh we are going or yes the the hour-long uh pre-planned show and uh stick around tiktok and youtubers and uh 
watch us and ask your questions on tip talk preferably with tips to get to the top of the list and i will think of a good answer to that question but for now we're going to get to the props and the flops brought to you by switch cars and switch cars is the enthusiasts dealership where we buy sell consign service and store only cars that we like ourselves check out our hand-picked inventory at switchcars.com and our pick of the week from switch cars inventory is 2006 Ferrari 430 Challenge. That is right, a factory race car, and we are selling it no reserve on Bring a Trailer. Ooh, is it up That yet? takes some cojones, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, it <laughs> is up live now. It is ending, I believe, in a week from today. So go check that out. You might score a deal on a race car. And I will not say it's ready to race because that's what everybody says when they're selling a used race car. And None of them ever are. They require constant maintenance. Okay, our flop of the week. Uh, thanks to Kent Lucas for this tip. Uh, man hospitalized after mistaking NOS Octane Booster Racing Formula for energy drink. It's pronounced NOS, bro. No. NOS. <laughs> no, this did not happen. It, di- it did happen. No. It Can did. I, I love the like sub-headline of the article you yes, sent me. Yes. <laughs> He did not receive the horsepower boost promised by the packaging. Oh, who wrote that? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, there's some great lines in here. Oh, Uh, what I want to know, did he really mistake it or was he thinking like, oh, maybe this will be like the purple pill in liquid form (laughs) (laughs) and he just couldn't admit it. So he said, oops. Yeah, he drank a big bottle of this, not just a sip, believing it to be an energy drink. The 54 year old man Mm. showed up at the ER after experiencing seizures and a state of agitation. Well, that happens to me with an energy drink, too. I get extremely agitated. Um, His girlfriend brought the empty bottle and reported that he drank the product, believing it to be an energy drink. This doesn't add up. 54-year-old dude with a girlfriend chugs this thing, doesn't realize that it's not an energy drink until he starts having seizures. I mean, to be fair, energy drinks taste like garbage anyway, so I don't know what you'd expect if you didn't know any better. I guess. I don't know. I I can't I can't drink them either way. But These uh, bottles do look eerily similar. Well, they do. I'll, they, I'll, they, I'll give them that. Yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you can uh, throw them a bone put them in your eclipse and cause some danger to manifold. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Poor guy. That's terrible. I mean, uh, don't knock it unless you try it. Reading this article, too, like some of the side effects are terrifying, like Parkinsonian symptoms due to oxidative damage in the mitochondria of the basal ganglia. I don't know what half of that was, but it sounds terrifying. (laughs) One of those is the powerhouse of the cell. That's all I know. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Manganese poisoning, pulmonary toxicity, renal and hepatic toxicity i don't like that word renal yeah, yeah. That's not, that's not a terrible. fan i don't know what it but means, it's using but. farming vehicles for its anti-knock properties anyway yeah that's uh don't try this at home all right prop of the week a road and track reported that a gentleman i believe in the uk had a hundred fifty seven thousand mile ferrari 430 spider Ooh. This guy is my stinking hero. Uh, so they report that in that time, he only went through four clutches. And this is not a manual. This is an F1. So that is about 40,000 miles per clutch, which dispels a lot of the myths about clutch wear because people are like, oh, man, 10,000 miles needs a new clutch. And I've seen cars that needed a new clutch. But uh, typically, that's because people don't friggin' know how to drive them. It's not because the F1 transmission wears clutches, just uses them up. These clutches should last 35 to 50,000 miles if you know how to drive them. Pro tip, the thing that uh, wears them out the quickest is being apprehensive because it's essentially riding the clutch, driving up hills at slow speed and um, reversing as well as driving it in automatic mode because that tends to ride the clutch more. And I think that the ASR, the stability control, actually uses the clutch to modulate, like, traction in the throttle. 
I mean, I know it's a consumable, but wow. So you should put it in it's manual bold. mode and turn ASR off and that'll help. But like backing up a hilly driveway would be like you go through a clutch almost immediately. That's the worst <laughs> possible way. Um, but yeah, it, original engine and gearbox on this thing. Um, I don't know how many like other stuff he's been through, like F1 pumps and how often the top had to be repaired. But it just shows that like driving these cars is good for them. They will last. They're meant to be used. And uh, those those engines are meant to be driven. I would like to know why he needed 25 sets of spark plugs, though. That is excessive. That baffles me, too, because typically spark plugs foul out from like starting cars up and shutting them down, like not using them. And you would get carbon buildup from not driving the car hard enough or, you know, again, starting yeah. it up, shutting it down, stuff like that. So I would think if he drove it a lot that he wouldn't need them, but maybe it was recommended like, hey, if you want to prolong the healthier engine or whatever, I don't know, maybe he was just going off of the, the Ferrari service schedule and they couldn't sell him enough clutches, so they wanted to get him <laughs> like, some other way. <laughs> Got to do spark plugs again. Got to do it again. It's for resale. So weird. Anyway, that guy is my hero. I want to buy him a beer. Well, thank you all for sticking around. And for those of you watching live, feel free to stick around for, uh, what do we, tip talk afterwards, a bonus round of questions. And uh, for the rest of you, thank you for joining us. And uh, thank you to my helpers over here, co-hosts and producers, Ethan Huffnagel and Tyler Sanders. Thank you to our sponsors, BoxCast, Nuts for Sticks, Switch Cars, Celebrity Machines, Stephen Holm Woodworking, and Parallel Print Works. Our bumper music is provided by Emily and Ivory. You can stream their full album on Spotify or SoundCloud. This episode will be available next Monday in audio format wherever you listen to podcasts. And you can access uh, the audio podcasts as well on switchcast.com live thank you for listening we'll be off next wednesday but we'll be back in two weeks as we look forward to edifying educating and entertaining you on the drive of your life 